<coughs> uh, okay, uh, I think the last time I gave a shear was in January sometime, right? <coughs> and uh, obviously a lot has happened. So again, I wanted to give a shear because a lot has happened since then. And um, before I left, I was involved in explaining a lot of the um, uh, American political situation in terms of Hashkofa, which I think is really very important. Uh, so since the last time I gave a shear was sometime in the middle of January, um, I would like to um, add certain ideas which I think are very important. Um, Today actually ends the 100 days of Donald Trump's uh, administration. I don't know if you know that. It's 100 days, you know. And everybody's judging him and so on and so forth, you know. So uh, this, it's really in many ways very appropriate to look at what he's doing and how does it conform or align with the hashkofa of the end. Because that's really what I explained a great deal about in the 15 videos that I gave. Uh, by the way, I made a summary, I don't know if anybody saw it, I made a summary of all 15 videos, 25 hours, you saw it? No, in the summary? Oh yeah, in, in February, yeah. Because the, the 15 videos are uh, 25 hours. So uh, I made a summary of that in two parts. It's in a website called yibone.com. I didn't load it on my website yet. Uh, but it's on a website called yibone.com, Y-I-B-O-N-E-H. Um, it's uh, part one, part two. You look in it and look at the archives. You see 21st Century, my name. So uh, the, the, uh, both parts are about four and a half hours. A lot better than uh, 25. So if you want to see that before I load it to my own, own website, you know, you would see it. So that was the last thing I did. What was that? Y no Y Y I B O N E H Yibone dot com. And you can look at it there, so you can actually a summary of it. You know. Anyway, <clears throat> um, officially, really, he's done very good. I think uh, he has already done twenty-five or twenty-four executive orders. In many, many, he's overturned an enormous amount of stuff that Obama did. So that's really very good, you know, uh, in terms of what he's done and so on. But I'm going to entitle this year the second mistake or error of Donald Trump. Because he's making a fundamental mistake. Uh, and not only that, but I think he's being punished. Uh, so that's really why I want to give this year. Maybe somebody will look at it and say, wait a minute, maybe he's got a point, you know. <clears throat> But he's making a fundamental mistake, and he's already being punished for that. Uh, and I don't know if people realize that. I, I doubt if he realized that. Uh, but it's something that he really should begin to understand. <clears throat> certain ideas that it's coming because of his, his inability or his negligence, really, to carry out, really, what I think <clears throat> he has to carry out. Which I went on into the whole um, 15 videos. He's making a fundamental mistake. <clears throat> the mistake that he makes is that he thinks he's an incredible negotiator. You know, and he wrote the book called uh, The Art of the Deal. And as far as he's concerned, he's the king of negotiations. And in, in a certain sense, obviously, he, he, in a certain sense, he's right. He has become a very wealthy man. 
obviously he knows how to negotiate uh, you know to somehow convince and influence another person to come to his side would that be a complete influence or or a, um, a compromise whatever it is but he clearly has you know skills at this uh, particular type of ability and so on but the mistake that he makes is that there is no such thing as really as a negotiator. You know, there's a Pasuk in Tehillim. It's in, I think, Kufchov Zion, 127. It's part of the Shia Malas. It's a very profound statement that, uh, that it says. And I think the one who says it is Shlomo Melech. L'Shlomo, it's uh, uh, King Solomon says this, you know. Very profound idea. And this, that's his mistake. It says, if God does not build a building, then the builders toil in vain. That's what it says. And then it says, if the Shalom, if God does not watch a city, then the watchmen who watch it diligently, they also watch in vain. What does that mean? People tend to make a tremendous mistake. They think that they are responsible for what happens, you see. And that it is their skills, abilities, that determine. That's a tremendous mistake. What, those, what that Pasuk says is that uh, if the Bershom doesn't want something to happen, it won't happen. No matter what you do, it simply will not happen. That's a very important idea. But it's not only that. If the Bershom doesn't want it to happen, if God doesn't want it to happen, it won't happen. Okay? So it doesn't, like it said, you know, if God doesn't want to build a building, then the builders build in vain. It doesn't make a difference what they want to do. Nothing's going to work, you see. But it's more than that, that the Bosham has to give you even the idea to build. It's not only that if he doesn't want to do it, it's not going to happen, right? You're not even going to want to do it unless he plants the idea in your mind. You don't, we don't realize how all-encompassing the Rabbanisham is in our lives. We absolutely don't. That everything, not only, like I said, not only if he's not in agreement with what you want to do, and all of a sudden you had the idea, and he's not in agreement, it's not going to happen. I don't care if you have the entire world behind you, and you're worth trillions of dollars, it's irrelevant. But the second idea is that you even, you need his idea even to know what to do. The Rebbe plants constantly thoughts and ideas about what you think you want to do, what you think you originate, which you don't. So it's much worse. The control of the Muslim, the control of God, is absolute. And it's almost total. If not for the small area called free will, Bechira, free will, which he has implanted in a person's mind, that free will, most people don't realize, only exists in one thing, the decision. But the idea is not necessarily yours. You see. In other words, what do you decide, yes or no, to go this way or to go that way? That is the only thing you can decide without input by the Rambam. But all the ideas that you have, you see, the results of what you do, it's not yours. We don't realize that. We don't realize how, how, uh, how weak, how, uh, how impotent we really are in terms of living, you know. You know, I want to tell you something. If the Rambam didn't will us to live into the next nanosecond, that's almost an instant in time, we couldn't exist. 
So if you cannot even exist by your own in the next nanosecond, you're going to come up with ideas and what to invest in Wall Street? Of course not. The Russian puts it all in the mind. And the same idea. Donald Trump's ability to negotiate has nothing to do with him. His wealth, his know-how, his talents is all from God. His decision is, does he want to engage in that, which the Bunchum just put in his mind? Of course, you see. So that's a fundamental flaw in his thinking. As a result of the fact that he thinks that, you know, he's an incredible negotiator, what's he going to do? Well, what's he going to try to do now is negotiate the, the, the peace between Israel and the Arabs. That's what he thinks he can do. In a certain sense, it's almost like a real estate deal, you know. He's going to get uh, the, Ara- the Israel and the Arabs to compromise on real estate, property, right? Land. That's what land for peace is. Isn't that real estate? You know. But like I say, it's not going to happen because he doesn't understand what's involved in this type of thinking, you see. Now, maybe he can negotiate a ceasefire, maybe in a truce, maybe even a truce. But he cannot negotiate a peace, as you will see why. Because that concept of a peace between uh, Israel and the Arabs, which is really between Yishmoel and the Jewish nation, okay, is dependent on the Messianic era. It's dependent on the Geula itself. Because you have to understand that. And this is the mistake that they all make. In any case, <clears throat> why is this a mistake? Well, one of the problems is, is that it's not about negotiations. You cannot negotiate a deal like this. That's his mistake. Negotiations involve what? What's the fundamental idea of negotiations? That A, wants to negotiate, and B, the other side, wants to negotiate. Obviously, they both have to agree that they want to sit down and negotiate. You see? Okay, each one is going to try to take his own position. So then each one is going to try to show you know, why, well, how they both can gain by coming in the middle, so to speak. But fundamentally, you have to have two like-minded, equal-minded people that want to sit down and negotiate and come to some type of terms. If one side doesn't want to negotiate, then what does it mean to negotiate? What are you going to do? You know what they say, you can drag a, you know, a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink, you know? Even if you drag the, the, the one side, so what? And this is a fundamental flaw. The concept or the conflict between the Jews and the Arabs is not negotiable. Why? Because they lack the mindset of one of the parties to negotiate. That simple. You see? So what in the world are you doing trying to negotiate? It's a very simple concept when you think about that. But the problem with Donald Trump is that he thinks since he has been very successful, that he will be able to negotiate. And that's the mistake that he makes. It's not negotiable. Why? Why is this not negotiable? <coughs> First of all, <coughs> the fundamental reason why it cannot be negotiated is because Islam as a religion is against it. Islam believes that any lands which were captured by the Arabs is holy to them. And it must be either maintained by them or recaptured. So then how in the world can they give land to Israel or recognize the state of Israel? It is impossible according to Islam. 
and these people are Islamic. They believe in, in, in Islam, you see. So, uh, therefore, theologically, it is impossible, you see. So that automatically shuts out the whole, the, shut, shuts out the entire deal. The second thing is that if Abbas does negotiate, he will be assassinated the next day. And that's what Arafat once said. I remember once mentioned, they once mentioned to Arafat, well, why don't you, the guy wants to give you everything. You know, Rabin and all that, he wants to give you everything. Why don't you negotiate? So he says, what are you, out of your mind? If I sit down and, and agree to, to, to recognize Israel, and I agree to, you know, to swap lands, whatever, he's dead. He's a dead man the next day. So how could you possibly do it? So that's the second reason why this cannot be negotiated. Because one side fears for his life, you know, if he sits down. A third idea, which is probably worse, because if they do negotiate and reach a conclusion, then that will be recognized as international law. Each side recognizes that they reach an agreement and it becomes law. And you can't look and you know, and this is not uh, in any way uh, a laughing matter. Once it's international law, if, if the Arabs violate that, then Israel, according to international law, has the right to destroy any Arab country because it's, hey, you recognize this. You know what I'm saying? How do you do this? So they can never allow this agreement to be enshrined in international law in terms of the United Nations or any country. In other words, they're locking themselves in, which they cannot do. So that's impossible. And that's a very important idea. So that's a third reason why. A fourth reason is Abbas is not president. He hasn't been president in 2006. So who in the world are they negotiating with? He is an illegal uh, president of, of the Arab lands. So what kind of legality does his agreement have? You see. The third thing is the Arabs himself can't stand the guy. He's hated in Ramallah. So like, who in the world is negotiating? Another idea, okay? Even if he negotiated, right? He's only one man, right? Hamas will disagree. So will Hezbollah. So will Iran. So will Al-Qaeda. So will ISIS. They'll all disagree. And they'll laugh at the entire agreement. So who's he, who's he making a deal with? An 82-year-old man? I think he's 82. An 82-year-old man that's basically in control of almost nothing? The whole thing is a joke, you see. So therefore, what in the world are they talking about when they talk about a two-state solution, you see? Uh, not only that, but Abbas is a terrorist. Whoever thought he's a moderate guy? He's fundamentally a terrorist, you know. He denied the Holocaust in his thesis. But it's more than that, you know. They, 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 they praise and they, and they grant victory to all the terrorists that kill Jews. They celebrate it. They name streets after these guys. So then, what are we talking about? I'm not even, and that's, that's besides that, so he's a terrorist. Fatah isn't a moderate organization. Uh, it is a terrorist organization. And not only that, their textbooks are filled with incitement against Israel. So what he's doing is he's teaching his entire next generation to hate Israel. So not only can't he negotiate, even they can't negotiate. Because they hate Israel. All the kids. 
I mean, look what we're dealing with here, you see. <clears throat> Not only that, but it's known that Islam, and that's the deal with Muhammad, what he did is he felt that it is proper to deceive somebody and in the end you can kill them. In other words, we're not looking here about, you know, um, the means to the end. That the means to the end can be deceitful as long as we get the end by destroying the people that don't accept Islam. So the whole concept of a peace deal is nothing more than war by political means. It's really what it is. So how can anybody fall for this? You see. So that's another reason why the whole thing makes no sense. More than that, who's the greatest enemy of the Arabs? The Arabs. We have no idea of how much Arafat stole from the Arabs. I mean, it was reportedly worth $2 billion, right? What do you think he did? You think he took a teaching job? And that's how he's worth $2 billion? The money's, and, and it, it, it's astounding to watch European how fools they are. You give money these guys, it doesn't go to the government or the Arab people. It goes all to the guys who are in charge. These are the guys, especially with Hamas and so on. So what does it mean that you want to put them in charge of a two-state solution? All they'll do is take all the money and all the economic, um, uh, what do you call it, um, aid. They'll just take it for themselves. So why are you even talking to these people? And besides that, there is absolutely no legitimacy to their claim. Anybody who reads the Torah, biblical, it's all about Eretz Israel. Yushalayim is mentioned in Tanakh over 600 times. It's not mentioned once in the Quran. Not only that, we have the famous first Rashi, right? Where Rashi says, why does the Torah begin with uh, that Bunshim created the world? Why doesn't it begin with that this month shall be to you for the first uh, month a mitzvah, you know, in Pasha's boy? Why don't we begin with a whole Chumash and famous Rashi? Because if the nations of the world say, hey, what are you doing with Israel? It's our country, you know, and you stole it from us. So the Jews will say, excuse me, it's not yours, it's God's. And he decides who he gives it to. It's amazing that first Rashi anticipates right the whole problem of the 21st century of israel and it goes actually for into the 20th century it's amazing how that first rashi says exactly what will happen in the end of time you see but besides that it's biblical the whole the whole uh, tanakh is filled with the fact that the bonshim says i give you the land and they know that so you are violating the commandment of the of god of the bonshim when you allow the arabs to have anything of israel all and not only that but the Torah spells out the exact borders you know of Israel so they can't say well we didn't know that the borders were so Israel the Jews have biblical rights then there's historical rights everybody knows that Israel belongs to the Jews it's even in the New Testament I hate to bring that as a proof but even in the New Testament even the Christians admit that the Jews have Israel because their guy Right? He went and, did, and turned over the tables of the money changes, whatever he did. It was in the temple. They say themselves, it's the temple. Uh, so Islam is against even Christianity. You see, that recognize, of course it's Israel's. Who are you playing around with? It's astounding. So if it's historically Israel for thousands of years, they have historical rights. How do you take it away from them?
you see. <coughs> and the, and uh, another idea, legally, because the legal nations, which was the one who gave it to them, was signed, said that Israel has, uh, that the Jewish people have Israel. <coughs> you know, and they formalized it, not only with the Balfour Declaration, which was an English document statement, but there was a conference in 1923, it's called the San Remo Conference. They legally said that Israel belongs to the Jews, including Jordan, you see. So legally, and the UN adapted all the resolutions of the League of Nations. So we're talking legal here, you see. So if you put all of these things together, can you please tell me how anybody can negotiate with the Arabs when you hear all of these ideas? It's insane, but it's more than insane. It is completely dishonest, you see. It's an incredibly dishonest position and they will be held in judgment. I'm throwing out these ideas, I guarantee you. This is what the Muslim is gonna tell them. What are they gonna say? There is nothing to say. They will be severely punished because all of these ideas indicate that they're all frauds. More than that, they're all evil because everybody knows, which is the very fundamental idea, that the Arabs want to destroy the Jews. Everybody knows that. Hamas even has it in their constitution. So then who are you playing around with? All you will succeed is weakening Israel and allowing them to be destroyed. How could you do that? And the answer is because that's the new modern form of anti-Semitism. The new modern form of anti-Semitism is anti-Israel. It's because it's no longer appropriate to be an anti-Semite. Doesn't pass. You know, you can't do that, right? It's not ethical, it's not moral. But you can be anti-Israel, which really means you're anti-Semite, you see. So therefore, how do you weaken when you know that the Arabs, if they were ever had a second, a two-state two solution, would destroy the Jews? How do you do that? When you know this, you see. <clears throat> uh, so this is one thing we recognize, which is a very important idea. You see, how can this man, do it, Trump, do what he's doing? Not only that, Trump said, uh, okay, that, that he always keeps his promises. He's made that declaration several times. He already broke three, you see, and they're all related to Israel. The first promise he broke, Jerusalem, you said you'd make it the capital. And now you're telling everybody you're going to look into it? Excuse me, look into what? How you can break your promise? What's that supposed to mean, look into it? You said that was your campaign promise, and you said you never break a promise. You said you'd make the capital of Israel, Jerusalem. What happened? What's the excuse? That's the first thing he said. The second thing he said, right, is that he was okay with the settlements. And now he's telling everybody, you gotta put them on hold. What are you doing? You said that it was okay, you know, that Israel can build settlements. In fact, everybody in Israel understood that to be true. And now you're stopping them from building settlements? How do you do that? And not only that, but you also said that, hey, it's up to them. Whatever deal they work out is fine. You see? And I said, that's it. Let them work out together the deal. So then how can you intervene in trying to put a deal together? Because we know what's going to happen. What always happens is what? Is that Israel is pressured to give up everything. But the whole concept, how can you allow the Arabs to have a two-state solution? They have nothing in Israel, as I pointed out all previously. The whole thing is a violation 
of the Torah and God's will. So how do you even do that? You see. So Trump has got big problems. He has big problems. <clears throat> Where do you see that? Okay, now you have to take a look at what's happening in the world. And you have to see what's happening. It's called Mida Keneged Mida, measure for measure. Uh, you see, and obviously neither Trump or his administration realizes what's going on. But uh, I'm going to tell you what's going on. One, Europe. <clears throat> Europe is terrible to Israel. We know that. You know, it's incredible, you know. Well, Europe, uh, Europe they, they give money to Arabs all over the place. And they're just terrible to the state of Israel. You know, you, you can't even build in the territories, right? Because then they're going to, they're gonna, what do you call, boycott you if you build in the territories. I mean, it's really incredibly anti-Semitic, which Europe always was. That's their tradition anyway, you know? <coughs> What's happening in Europe? I don't know if you realize that. Europe is being destroyed, all of it. Two ways. One, immigration. The Muslims are taking over Europe. All of a sudden, they can't stop. All of a sudden, they are being invaded by millions of Arabs. And that is diluting the whole concept of Europe. Okay, but more than that, it's going to turn Europe into an Islamic state. And more than that, Muslims don't tolerate museums because they don't like a lot of the pictures there and the statues and all that. They will destroy the culture of Europe, you see. The whole status of Europe as a free uh, continent, whatever, the status of its culture, everything, is going to be destroyed when the Muslims reach half of the population of Europe. And believe me, they're working at it. It's a work in progress, you see. And then they're, they're really finished. Why? Why is the Muslim allowing that? It's not, again, remember, God controls the world, like I brought the two Psukim and Tilam in uh, 127. Why? Because it's a media connected media, it's a measure for measure. You want to allow the Arab to invade my country, my people? Guess what? I will have the very same people that you want to invade Israel, they're going to invade your country and destroy you. What a classic measure for measure. That's what it's about, you see. What a poetry. Second idea that's destroying Europe. Europe does not have what's called a replacement population. In order for a country to remain a country, it's got to have birth, people being born gotta have young guys you know if nobody's being born what happens then everybody ages right but by the time they turn 65 or 70 there's no cash they can't work they're old so they rely on the young right <laughs> the young to supply the money it's called social security which itself is a big fraud uh, because if you look in the social security of the United States it's empty but there is a piece of paper that says IOU that the Congress owes I don't know, like trillions of, trillions of dollars. It's a joke. But anyway, it's a charade, as they say. Uh, so if you don't have young people being born, that's the end of the country. Because then everybody gets old, nobody supports them, and guess what? They all die. Eventually, right? There's nothing going on. There's no growth. There's nothing. You know? That's what's happened to Europe. You see? Europe has no replacement population. You see? And that, by the way, that's one of the ideas why Europe wanted Arabs in the first place, because they felt that the Arabs would come in and do a lot of the work that the youth, youth, youth used to do. 
That was the Cheshman. Uh, but they do not have a replacement value. And by the way, there are other countries that suffer from that also. I don't know if you realize that. Russia. Russia also doesn't have replacement. Japan. It's a big problem in Japan. They also. Many, and China, because they, they forbade somebody to have more than one kid for years. You know? So everybody's aging, which is also interesting. And so on, you know? Uh, but those two concepts are destroying Europe. Mida connected Mida. You want Arabs to invade my country and destroy my people? I have the very same people invade your country and destroy you. You see? You want to wipe out my people? Guess what? I'm going to wipe out your culture, right? No replacement population. Th these are not accidents. These are not chance. It's divine intervention. And Europe is dying in front of our, you know, in front of us. Whether it be England, one, I, I, this I read years ago, one out of every three kids in France is a Muslim. And it says that, uh, that, uh, one, uh, that France will be half Muslim in like 10 years at that rate, you know, because they're not having kids and the Muslims are having dozens, right? So it's only a matter of time till Islam takes over. Mida connected Mida. But that is Europe, right? Uh, let's check out the United States. You think it's only happening in Europe? One, why does the U.S. have such an incredible illegal immigration problem? It's the same idea, you see. Because you want to keep talking about a two-state solution in spite of everything that I just brought? You know what I'm going to do? You want to give Israel an immigration problem? I'm going to give you an immigration problem. And that's what it is. They have an enormous problem. They say in 50 years, right, English is not even the spoken language anymore that the majority of Americans will be third world countries. That's what it's going to, it's not even going to be English, you know? It's going to be third world countries, whether it be Hispanics or whatever, or uh, not the uh, Hispanic Asians, coming in by the, by the droves. It's, again, it's a meter connected meter, it's a measure for measure. You want to destroy the viability of my country, you're going to have a massive immigration problem. And it is, it's massive. But it's more than that. You want to allow Israel to be existentially threatened by Iran, which is what Obama did, and now Trump is not really doing anything to stop it? Fine. You want to allow Israel to have what? An existential problem? Guess what? I'm going to give you an existential problem. Who's that? North Korea. It's astounding what's happened in the last three months. It came out of nowhere. They've been negotiating with that crazy guy you know, King Kim Jong Jong Un. Un. Hope I said his name correctly. Uh, you know, the guy's obviously out of his mind. You know, but it's more than that. The guy's a psychopath because he's ruthless. He killed his uncle. I mean, I you can't even count the guys he killed. If you look at him the wrong way, I think somebody I, I once read somebody one of one of his uh, main ma chief guys in the army. So this guy was speaking. You know Kim, and um, and uh, this guy pr never probably didn't have too much sleep. He fell asleep, right? Yeah. Well, what he did the next day was he gave a permanent sleep. Killed him for what? Well, you talk about ruthless people, you know. <clears throat> so all of a sudden, out of nowhere, North Korea is threatening the United States existentially. They want to bomb if they have, you know. They want to bomb California. I mean, fortunately, they can't do it yet. 
so America can still prevent it. <coughs> but who ever heard of something that a guy says I'm gonna take on America? Was he insane, right? Why? Mida connected mida, measure for measure. You wanna know what it is, say, you wanna understand what it feels like to be threatened existentially? Yeah, I'll show you. And all of a sudden, Trump and his whole administration go crazy. How do we solve the problem? Why, why is it a problem? I'll tell you why it's a problem. Because this madman can take out Tokyo and Seoul, and, and Seoul in one shot. He has a missile to reach Tokyo. You know, what's Tokyo have? 14 million people. And he's got a missile to reach Seoul. You know, he couldn't kill us. How many million? I think there's 50 million people in, um, or something like that, in uh, North Korea. He couldn't care less how many people die in North Korea. He takes them out anyway without a batting an eyelash. You know what I'm saying? So what does he care? See, he'll take out Tokyo. All you need is one nuclear weapon. And he already has, they estimate, about 14. he take out Tokyo. It's incredible. I mean, they, what, what, you know, what's the exchange here? You know? So everybody, they don't know what to do with this guy because if you bomb him, right? He'll send, he's got, I'm sure he's got missiles pointed at Tokyo and Seoul, North, uh, South Korea. So they're in a quandary. It's very difficult to solve to solve this problem yet he's existentially threatening the United States it's amazing when you watch it but it's literally a media-connected media you want to allow Iran to keep saying what they do the Muslim says I'll show you you see nobody sees this because it came out of nowhere in fact it came out now that who that Trump is president this didn't exist before notice before that, they were negotiating with the thing. Of course, the whole thing was a, sh a, a, fraud, a fraud. But all of a sudden, in the last two or three months, it really came to the fore. Why? Because it's Trump's job to deal with Iran. That's why. In fact, that's why he was elected. That's why God put him in, to deal with the existential threat of the United States. Of Israel. Uh, uh, the, the existential of Israel. And he's not doing it. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this comes. So that's the second Oynish. But here's the third Oynish. Punishment. <coughs> the third punishment is this. <coughs> Donald Trump is the greatest negotiator who ever lived. Isn't he? Isn't it amazing to watch? What was his key signature platform? Obamacare. He failed. Uh, nobody could believe that. This is incredible. Wait, wait, it doesn't make sense. You're the greatest negotiator of mankind, right? Yet you failed to pass or negotiate. And he, believe me, spent a lot of time in Congress negotiating, right? You failed to convince Congress, right, for whatever, to abolish Obamacare. Excuse me. You're not the greatest negotiator of all. Why? Because remember what it says? If God does not build the building, then the builders build in vain. Got that? It's a possibility. If God doesn't say, Ois with Obamacare, I want it out, then I don't care who you are, you cannot negotiate away. And God will just create ways that it stops. But you should know one thing. Not only is it a slap in the face to Donald Trump, because it shows this is your main promise, and you failed. So where's your negotiating skill, right? It's a real slap in the face. But it's also a slap in the face to the Republicans. You guys have been swearing for years, right? For years. You guys couldn't even get a majority, you know? The last minute they had to call it off. You have any idea what kind of bullshit and embarrassment that is? 
for a party. <clears throat> and the incredible how, how God foiled them. Because the problem was, is that they put out a bill without even a consensus of the Republican Party. They didn't go around and say, okay, what would you like? What would you like? And then figure out what everybody would like. No, they put out the thing and then all of a sudden everybody, they rejected it. What kind of a, what kind of a politician does that? Uh, where's, your, where's your intelligence about how to get bill passed by your party? And you guys got the majority of both houses. What a boucher. What an embarrassment, you see. So it's a slap in the face to Donald Trump. It's a slap in the face to Paul Ryan. Just shows what he's made out of. And it's a slap in the face <coughs> to the whole Republican Party. Where's their unity? It's funny, the whole Democratic Party is unified to destroy the Republicans. But the Republicans are not unified to get the major bill passed. And now everything else. <clears throat> Why? Because the Bush won't say, you think you're the great negotiator? You want to negotiate my people, Israel, Jews? You want to make a two-state solution and destroy my people? And all the other arguments I presented? I will show everybody, I will stop you from winning this Obamacare, repealing it, and then we'll see who's the boss. Yeah, look, as, as Jews, Torah-observing Jews, you need to look at what goes on through the eyes of the Torah. This isn't an accident. You see? Interesting. It's a very, very important concept. <clears throat> How's Donald Trump, how are you supposed to realize all of this? Oh. Some of it maybe, but because it's a good question, because the answer is very obvious. Donald Trump is blinded by his ability to negotiate. You see, that's bad news. But he, he, but if he was honest, and he is an honest guy in general, you should know. We're not talking about a guy who's a liar. He's a very honest guy. He's a very good person, actually. I believe he's a very good person. He's very good-hearted. He's kind-hearted. He's done tremendous acts of chesed, of kindness to many people. I mean, some of the stuff he's done is legend and so on, you know. So there's no question. He's really, in many ways, okay, you know, he's got his, his shtick, his idiosyncrasies. But then who doesn't? Everybody does, right? Just ask your wife. But anyway, everybody's got his shtick, right? Okay, that's fine, but he's an honest guy. Any honest guy would look at this entire Middle East situation and say the whole thing is insane. By just, and how many arguments they brought down? About 11 of them? There's many more arguments. What are you doing? You know, what are you doing? And I think that Steve Bannon, who was one of his main guys, he told him, don't bother with the Arabs. In fact, for the first month, Trump didn't even answer the request of the Arabs. They were, they were wiring the White House. No, 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 when are we going to meet? Right? And he didn't even bother answering them. Because apparently he believed what Bannon was saying. What are you doing? These guys are frauds. Bannon understood. There's nobody sitting at the table. So what are you talking about negotiations? You see. But apparently somebody got to Trump. Bad news. And we'll talk about that. And he's being misled. Terribly misled but he's also being punished at the same time. In any case, but he should realize just by being honest about the whole situation. Anybody who's honest sees the whole thing is crazy. At least on some of the points. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Biblical, legal, historical. There's nobody sitting at the other side. Hamas <coughs> is a fraud, he's illegal. I mean, just go, Hamas, how can you make a two-state solution when Hamas is gonna destroy Israel? You think they care because there's a two-state? They're gonna bomb, they're gonna bomb everything. You know, as it is, they're, they're five miles from what? From El Al or something like that. You know, it's, it's a joke. 
So what's he talking about, the guy? And what's also bad, I believe, <coughs> is that he has sent religious Orthodox Jews to do the settling. That's Jared Kushner, Jason Greenblatt, these are all his team, you know, and David Friedman, you know, which is very bad because a Jew that makes peace or attempts with somebody that clearly cannot make peace, that only is subterfuge to destroy the Jews, is a Moisa. You can't do that. If you know the guy really wants to kill you, it's obvious, you know, then how do you, how do you in any way pressure Israel or even bother with this nonsense? It's a waste of time, you see. That's not good for them, those three. Because in many ways, you're not allowed to do that. If you see, if you see that the people on the other side, that it's merely some ploy to kill you, so therefore they're gonna make believe and reassure you, you see? And then they, but really what their motive is, which the, and the, the, all the years shows what their motive is. So then how do you even sit down with these guys, you see? And these are Orthodox Jews trying to negotiate? In any case, what is the problem really? Because <clears throat> here's the, what they don't understand. There is no peace with Yishmael until the Tikkun. That's why. They don't realize that this is the, the end of the matter. Uh, you see, <clears throat> you cannot pay, make peace with Yishmael, which is the Arabs. What does that mean? Look, in the beginning, Yishmael was, he was very good. He's the son of Avraham Avinu. I mean, that's a murdic schus, a tremendous merit to be the son of Abraham, Avraham Avinu. You see, but what happened? Something happened in the middle. He changed his mind. He tried to kill Yitzchak. Rashi brings that down, right? Tried to kill Yitzchak, and that's when Sora realized, wait a minute. You know, why did he kill Yitzchak? So he can inherit, Avram Avinu was a fabulously wealthy person, that he can inherit all the, because he was the only other son, basically, uh, he can inherit. So he wanted to kill Yitzchak, so that's why he sort of came in with Avram and drove him away, you see, because he wanted to kill Yitzchak. So he already reached a certain spiritual height. Look, imagine what it is to be the son of Avram Avinu. Amazing, you know? Imagine being the son of the Vilna Goyen what that would mean for you, right? What a chance for Ruchnius. What a chance for spirituality. It'd be incredible. Could you imagine being the son of Avram Avinu, right? And what he would, how you could sit down and talk to him. I mean, he's a, he's a Novi. He's everything everybody could have wished for, right? And he still changed. <coughs> so he had this incredible spiritual opportunity, Yishmael. Instead, he changed, obviously, to, to try to kill Yitzchak. So therefore, that concept, you see, of replacing Yitzhak now becomes his drive. So he becomes a tremendous rusher, although in the end he did tshuva, which is interesting. But really, when you think about that, and this is very interesting, Yishmuel had 12 tribes. Why? Because Apisoid Yishmuel was part of the Tikkun process, if you realize that. And therefore, he was supposed to, he had 12, 12 tribes, just like Yaakov had 12 tribes because he's really part of the Tikkun process. You see, he's not just a goy. He's part of the Tikkun process, just like Avram, not like Avram Avinu, but as part of that, you see. Instead, he took that and instead became uh, trying to kill uh, uh, Yitzchak 
and of course he then became a Russia and of course uh, he, he lost the whole concept of uh, Tikkun but the jealousy never left to take or to supplant the Jews in terms of who is the chief even in a physical world that never left you see <clears throat> so he also aspires to be a, a, a Masakin which is a rectifier of creation remember <coughs> I once said that the concept of Adam it says in the Chazal that Atem Krim Adam you are called man but the nations of the world is not called man what does that mean? Because the concept of Odom is a person that can do tikkun. That means all his acts can actually have influence over the spiritual worlds. That's what it means. So therefore he is called Odom. That's why Odom Rishon, even though he wasn't Jewish, was able to rectify to massacre in all the Bria. You see? So therefore, Yeshmuel is Odom. The problem is when he became a Russia, he changed from Odom to Para Odom. You see? But he still has the concept of Adam in his name because he had that ability. Then you look at Edom, which is Esav. You see, Esav also was a Masakin. In fact, he was equal to Yaakov Avinu for 15 years or 13 years until he went out to uh, eat to do evil, you see. And therefore he became a jealous of Yaakov and he also tried to kill the, the Yaakov. <coughs> so he also wants to supplant Yaakov Avinu, you see. So he also became a Russia. So he retains the concept of Adam. How? Because he used to be an Adam. He used to be a person that could rectify creation. He could influence the spiritual worlds. You see? But when he became a Russia, he became a Russia. Right? And where do you see that he could have done that? Because he is a Edom with a Vav. He has the name Adam with a Vav, which is Edom. And of course the Vav is the Nochash, the snake. You see, <clears throat> so both of them have the concepts of Adam in it, except that the distortion, either your para Adam or your Edoim with a Vav in it, which means that the one who controls you now is the Sultan. You see, so, a snake is a, it, looks like it looks like a snake, yeah, yeah. But they're both called Adam. If you take, you know, in, in, in both, but they're both distortions of the Adam because originally both of them could do, could do the Tikkun. You see, <clears throat> therefore. But um, therefore, the way to subdue them ultimately is when the tikkun is finished, when the Mashiach comes, or the, when there's a messianic process, a redemption. That's the only time <coughs> that the Arabs and the, the world, Edom, Western civilization, will make peace with the Jews. <coughs> like you see in Yeshayahu, you know, that the wolf will dwell with the lamb and so on. So what is Trump trying to do? He's trying to make peace with people that are still in their hostile state. So then what is he talking about? You can't make peace. You could try to make a truce and so on. But as long as they are hostile to the Jews, you cannot do it. And that's his mistake. And you could see they're hostile by looking at all of these ideas. Every, all the ideas, and that's only some of the ideas. You could see it. Any honest person could take a look and say, this is ridiculous. You see. Uh, that's why... Oh, that's why neither Trump or anybody else can really make peace. What he has to do is reject the Arab claim and tell Israel, <clears throat> build, do what you have to do to become an incredible nation. That's what he has to tell, you see. Now, the truth is also that it's not just Yishmuel <coughs> and Edom that are the enemies of the Jews. Now, they themselves are agents of the Sultan.
That's the enemy. And the Satan can only end, and I remember what I told you a long time ago, 98% of the holiness, the Kedusha, of the Satan that he eats and survives is now back in the hands of the Jews. So he is dying, you see. So therefore, as long as he's alive, which he is, then Yishmuel and Edom will always be enemies of the Jews. You can always try to negotiate in terms of a truce or whatever, or try to what's called mollify, soften their stance. But the real peace only comes ultimately when the Mashiach comes in the messianic process in the end. It says in the Navi, that's what it means. <clears throat> so therefore, right now, it's not a matter of making peace, it's a matter of being honest. It's about being honest and it's about being appropriate what you really can do. So then what in the world are these guys doing? You see, because <clears throat> uh, according to the Hashkofa, these are, these are the enemies ultimately of the Jewish people, just like they were enemies thousands of years ago. And the only way to subdue them, you see, is when the Geula will be very close. You can try, that's true, but you can never be fooled. You have to be honest in terms of who they are, you see. So when you think about that, <clears throat> unfortunately to me it looks like that, the, that Trump, who I believe is, like I say, he's the Messiah of Edom, to change Edom and turn it around for the Jewish sake. And I believe a lot of it, he is that, but I believe he's been captured by the Sultan. Because the Sultan has now taken him and put him on the side of Yishmael in some way to endanger the Jewish people. Now, in the end, I don't think he will do that. I think he will wake up and realize and say, wait a minute, this is ridiculous. Because that's what's going to happen. Look, all of those guys, um, Kushner, uh, Greenblatt, and Friedman, they'll all fail, ultimately. Especially Kushner and, uh, and Greenblatt. And he's gonna actually, they're going to they're come out looking like a bunch of fools. That's what's going to happen. <coughs> uh, so ultimately, I believe in the end, he will wake up in that sense. But really, honestly, Trump needs a spiritual advisor. He really does. Because why do I say that? Because already God is punishing him. Obamacare, the failure, is, a, is an oinish. Makes him look terrible. North Korea is an oinish. The illegal immigration problem, and there's a lot of backlash to that, is an oinish. All of it is an oinish. These things just, an oinish means a punishment. These things just don't happen. They're warnings. That's what they are. We, we don't even know how bad it can get, you see. Because it's very possible that Trump will make war on North Korea. In fact, he has to. He has no choice. Because it's an existential threat, you see. And that's a terrible punishment to America. If they have to go to war because you never know what that guy's going to do, that guy can take out Tokyo. I mean, it's, just be, it's, it's horrifying even to think of what that crazy madman in North Korea is going to do. <coughs> but, if he, uh, you know, but if he stops in time, then I believe that problem would be solved. Because it's going to get worse as he gets tougher with Israel and subjects Israel to insane uh, negotiations. I mean, you take a look at it. You see what's happening. <coughs> you see. <coughs> and when you think about this, how can you compare, not only is he endangering Israel if he has a two-state uh, two solution, there's something else. Israel is one of the most advanced nations in the world. 
they are world leaders in agriculture, water conservation, cybersecurity, computers, medicine. It's incredible what these guys, and they're only 8 million Jews. Uh, it's, it's hard to believe. How can a nation, you know, the, the, the Israel is less than one quarter of 1% of the world's population. <coughs> so how could they be world leaders in so many different ways? So what do you, you want to destroy them? What do you want? You want the Arabs? What have they done in the last 500 years? Nothing. Uh, it's not even a contest here. Uh, you know, what they contribute to civilization, and what they contribute to civilization. What the Arabs contribute, contribute to civilization is war, destruction, mayhem, murder, right? And Israel, what they contribute, what an advanced civilization that contributes to the advancement of life and civilization. Like, uh, as I say in, in Hebrew, what's the Havamina? How can you even contemplate the difference and weaken Israel? <clears throat> and not only that, <clears throat> so Trump, maybe Trump or anybody could have said, well, we need their oil. What oil? Why do you think God made making America an independent oil nation with, with hydraulic fracking, right? where they can now take oil out of the ground, which they couldn't do before, <clears throat> those, the oil that was embedded in the rocks. You know, if you know what fracking is. Not only that, he's releasing more land. Obama forbade, I love that guy, Obama. I mean, this guy's like, he, like he's the cherry on the cake. Uh, he forbade, or he made federal lands 250 million acres. Means you couldn't develop 250 million acres. Do you believe this? Do you have any idea how much 250 million acres is? I can tell you one thing, it's a lot larger than Lakewood. Okay? And he prohibited development of those, he made them federal lands. So you couldn't drill for oil, you couldn't do anything. Okay? This week, Trump was mavatal, canceled the whole era. He, he, was, he, he uh, with, with one executive order, he just threw the whole thing out. So now he just increased 250 million acres for development. You see, and off the North Shore, it's astounding what the guy's doing, you see? So America is oil independent. It's one of the greatest exporters of oil. Doesn't need anybody else. So what's America gonna say? Well, we need the oil, so we gotta be good to the Arabs because they're giving us oil. What's giving us oil? You don't need them anymore. What excuse? How can you weaken an advanced civilization, right? And compare that and endanger that civilization, Israel to a civilization that hasn't contributed anything in the last five, six, seven hundred years. You know? Well, like, are you insane? Just for the benefit of civilization, how do you do this? You see. Anyway, <clears throat> this is what's happening since I left. Anyway, so I thought I have to bring everybody up to speed because there's tremendous things going on. You know, you don't, you don't realize the, 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 the concept of North Korea, the concept of the failure of, 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 of um, Trump to put through legislation, this is not simple. Thank God the Russian had not monus. He had mercy on Trump and he allowed him, put, he allowed him to put in Gorsuch, who's a good guy, I hope. Neil Gorsuch was a tremendous conservative. Why? Because God didn't want to destroy America. Because had Gorsuch been rejected, like that crazy Chuck Schumer wanted to reject him out of hand politically. He knew that uh, Gorsuch is a great guy. Uh, but that means that the Supreme Court would have a majority of liberals and that would have destroyed America. You're looking at the incredible compassion that, Ameri that God has for America. That's why he let that happen right away. 
He didn't stand in the way. You see? But in the other things, God is not allowing him to do it. And he needs to understand Trump. I hope he wakes up. Uh, remember the Pasuk and Talim. If God doesn't build the building, then the builders build in vain. 127 in Psalms in Talim. And if God doesn't watch a city, then the watchmen, even if they watch diligently, they watch in vain. You see? And I don't care who the builders or the watchman is. It's the Rebunishment that runs everything. And the only real time, and the enemy right now is not Yishmuel and Edom, which are the Arabs and the Europeans and all that. It is the Satan that's the enemy. Because these are merely agents of the Satan. And the only real time true peace can come is when you talk about the, the beginning of the end, the, the end of the messianic process. We're very close and so on. But right now, you have to be honest and look at what's real and understand what's at stake. And I, I hope that Donald Trump, and, and I, I respect him greatly, I think he's a great guy, notwithstanding what I said, I think he's very honest, I think he's very kind, I think he's got his act together to a certain extent, but he's making a fundamental mistake and I'm, I'm worried that as he continues making that mistake, then God is going to exercise more restraint, which he can easily do. And it would be interesting to see that Trump is not going to get anything passed in the Congress, because that's what he's do doing. He's, de he's destroying his reputation as a great negotiator, you see. It's very important to see. So anyway, um, I hope he gets the message, whatever, and, um, and that he gets back into what he's supposed to do, and that is to allow Israel to grow, because Israel has to grow, to allow Israel to build the settlements, because they need to build the settlements, because all the Jews are going to come back from France and from England as it gets worse and worse in Europe. You're going to have an enormous influx of Jews, you see, and therefore you need a lot of different buildings <coughs> being built, territories, you know, and, and new apartments and all that, and, uh, and Israel has to, um, to, to, re to really do this. So I hope that this happens. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to add something which uh, is very important. Um, uh, and this year, of course, is entitled The Second Mistake of Donald Trump, which is really being punished. Uh, I wanted to add, um, already you see a very important thing which Trump has to do, which he's doing. It's not a, he's not a failure. He's just doing things wrong, some of it. But one thing he did, which I, I consider incredibly admirable, okay, because in the end of time, what the Bernstein wants is the world has to realize the concept of accountability. Under Obama, everything went. He couldn't care less. And all he, you know, of course, he didn't want uh, anybody to interfere with his golf game, which is obviously what he was doing. God forbid you interfere with Obama's golf. <coughs> you know, I mean, just the man was incredible. But in any case, the main, idea, the main idea is that Trump, two things, he bombed Syria. You see? And not only did he bomb Syria, want to close the door? Oh, he bombed Syria, you know, for what? Because he killed kids. Okay, I mean, that's where they really would turn them on. You know, I mean, the fact that he did it was very good because what he did is he, he put a, th a, a certain realization in the world that Trump is not Obama. And that's part of his mission, the concept of accountability. You see, he has to straighten out the world that they have to realize that this is not a Hefka world. This is not a world which is abandoned to anybody that wants to do it. So the world now realizes that, wait a minute, we now have to deal with a president 
that's going to take serious foreign things happening that are unethical and immoral. And then when he bombed Afghanistan, that was even great, you see, uh, and so on. But the main idea is that this is part of his messianic, uh, part of the messianic process, of which I believe he has to do. His idea is not just to change America, but he has to change the world, and America is powerful enough to do that. And one of the main ways of changing the world is the concept of, hey, there's a new sheriff in town. You see, there's a new cop on the block. You see, and there's a concept of accountability. It's no longer what it was under Obama, where anybody can do whatever he wants. You know what they say, when the cat's away, the mice will play? Well, guess what? The cat's back. And the mice, they all run back into the hole. You see, which is very admirable, and I hold what he did was tremendous. You see, and, and um, because what America has to realize is that and God is going to have tremendous tarumas, uh, I say tarumas, claims against America. Why? Because there are many people that say, well, what do you care what's going on in Afghanistan or Syria? You know, wrong. Because it's true, you don't want to get involved totally into them, but if America has the ability to stop that type of incredible injustice, you don't realize that they must stop it because they have the ability, they have the power. Therefore, they must stop it. They cannot say, well, isolationism, you know, well, what do you want from us, you know? We, we, we're just worried about our own country and everybody else can do whatever they want. No. America has to understand that they are, in a certain sense, the cop on the block. Uh, they don't realize that. Why? Because they have the power to do it. And if you have the power to stop that type of injustice and murder and destruction, in a certain sense, you have to stop it. You don't have to get, of course, there's a limit to that. You know, you have to stop it. And I'll tell you one story. There was once uh, Rabban Kotla, you know, so he wanted to send a bunch of guys, well, you see that, Rabban, it's in Lakewood, Rabban Kotla. So he, they wanted to open a yeshiva in some place in America, you know. So, you know, the yeshiva called up Lakewood and said, maybe send us a couple of guys for the first man. A couple of guys will be students for, you know, the first, uh, you know, semester, whatever, right? So he picked, Rabban picked a couple of guys. So he picked one guy who today is a Rashiva, you know. He picked him to be one of the guys to go to this place, right? So the guy, he didn't want to go. He had his chavruses all set up. He had everything set up. He didn't want to go now to Yehopitz, which was certainly Yehopitz in those years, you know. Um... So the guy said to Rabban, he says, wait a minute, you know, I, I got everything set up, don't, don't, you know, don't do this to me, in a certain sense. I mean, he spoke with the covered honor and so on, you know. So he asked Rabban, Rabban Kotler, he says, why do I have to go, you know, why, why not somebody else, you know. So Rabban said to him, tremendously profound concept, and he answered him, why you have to go. I'll say it in Yiddish, then I'll translate it. It must, you must go while it can't, because you can do it. You can do the job. You go out, you're very good in Kirov or whatever. You can do the job, therefore you must go. Other guys, they can't do the job, so I'm not going to send them. In other words, if you are able to do something and you don't, you are held accountable. And you can't say, well, why me? Send somebody else. You see? It's a profound comment. That's what I say. You must get involved at a certain level. Not totally, obviously. It has to be measured. 
you must get involved in holding the world accountable and stopping the incredible destruction that is going on in this world. Why? Why do we have to do it? Because you can. That's what Trump did. So what they say in English, kudos to Trump because he did it. Because America is a blessed country that was given the power enormous arsenal and military might they can do it so they have to do it in a certain sense of course it has to be measured I could go into the country and so on but what Trump did was 100% correct because America has a moral responsibility in fact they have a divine responsibility like I told you you know they can stop it you have to do it and he did and now they're all thinking 15 times I mean imagine he did it to Russia because Russia had planes on that airbase you know, and he, 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 he didn't tell Putin, he warned Putin, Trump. He said, by the way, he told him. He didn't ask him permission. He said, by the way, I'm taking out this airbase. I give you one hour to get your planes off. And he's talking to Russia here, right? So what do you think Putin did? He got his planes off, you know? But that told Putin something, you know? Don't mess around with America. You know what I'm saying? Don't do that. Because he didn't ask him permission. He told him. That's a very important statement. The world now knows there's a new sheriff on the block. Which is very important because a lot of people will rein in their dictatorship, their terrible tyranny. What they could do with Obama, it was, it was like, it was like, um, you know, it was like a sale. You could do whatever you want. Uh, you know, and so on. With Trump, it's different. That people realize that. Therefore, what, why I'm saying this is because that is part of the responsibility of an individual that I believe is a messianic figure of Edom. He's the Edomite messianic figure. And part of that idea, and that's why America is blessed with such incredible military might to do that. So kudos to Trump for that. But he's messing around with the major mission that he has to do, and that is to allow Israel to grow and to become whatever they can be. And he has to stop the Arabs from doing what they can do. I just hope he wakes up in time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next week, get back to Derek Hashem.